It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 237 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, December 1st. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. The show's on Twitter as well, Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode and posts written for LockedOnRaptors.com and all that good stuff. Uh, Locked On Raptors, of course, is also part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which you should know by now and you should be very familiar and acquainted with. But if you're not, it's a network of podcasts that has a show for all 30 NBA teams. There's Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd and Locked On NBA with David Locke as well. So there's like 32 shows for you to check out. Uh, you can find them all on the Lockdown NBA iTunes channel. So make sure you're doing that. Find shows that you like and want to support uh, and listen to further. Teams that you're interested in, whatnot. Hosts that you like. Make sure you're subscribing and rating uh, those shows individually. You can do that with us as well. Lockdown Raptors is on iTunes on its own page. Leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And uh, it helps me out for sure. Boosts my ego to find those reviews. And also moves us up more up the rankings so people discover the show and subscribe and all that good stuff. So please do that. Uh, and I'd be forever indebted to you. Okay, on today's show, I'm joined by Adam Friedman for another Locked On Raptors, Locked On Pacers crossover. Adam is the co-host of Tony East, who was on the show last week. Uh, We chatted about that game in Indiana. The Raptors lost that one. Of course, a very strange loss in which Pascal Siakam started the second half in place of Jonas. Uh, Lance Stevenson went 4-4 from 3 in the fourth quarter, and that was very stupid. Uh, Lance Stevenson is terrible. Uh, Don't deify Lance Stevenson. Uh, Google his past uh, incidents before you... Uh, build him up to be this folk hero. Uh, that's all I'm going to say about Lance Stevenson. Screw Lance Stevenson. But, uh, yeah, there's just uh, oh, a very strange game. The Raptors, of course, lost that one. One of the more frustrating losses of the season so far. Uh, and they play again on Friday night against the Pacers at the ACC. And uh, so we talked about that with Adam. Went into some stuff about Miles Turner and the game last week and the Raptors starting five. Uh, sort of the Raptors' path as a franchise and whatnot. Uh, lots of good stuff in this one, so I hope you enjoy it. And uh, I'm not going to waste your time anymore. I'll be back again uh, either on Saturday. I'm going to try to do an episode potentially if something goes down in that Pacers game that's worth talking about. If not, definitely on Monday. Uh, I'm going I'm to try Saturday because uh, I missed a day this week for... Uh, I can't even remember why at this point, but uh, so I'm going to try to make it five episodes for the week if I can on Saturday. If not, back again Monday, and uh, we'll do the regular thing. There's very few games to talk about at this point. Raptors, three games in 13 days over the course of the last week and into the next week. It's uh, strange. I'm not really sure what to do with all the time on my hands to try to, I mean, I'm trying to do some things. Um, and keep things fresh or whatever, but yeah, it's uh, it's not the easiest thing to keep up on and keep things fresh, but I'm, I'm trying my best, 
Uh, LockdownRaptors.com, actually, I'm going to be writing a thing called the Raptors Advent Calendar, which will be a fun little thing I'll do throughout December. Each day I'll update it with a little countdown thing, sort of a stat or Raptors nugget uh, related to the number of days until Christmas, which, of course, is a glorious holiday to uh, watch a bunch of basketball on and get drunk. So uh, we'll count down to that wonderful day uh, on on LockdownRaptors.com with the Raptors Advent Calendar. And check out for the first post sometime in the middle of the day on Tuesday, or, or sorry, Friday, I'm thinking. So uh, keep an eye out there. All right, uh, let's get to the conversation now with Adam Friedman. Enjoy it. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review to our show. Subscribe, rate, and review to Locked On Pacers if you're interested in the Pacers. Uh, Adam and Tony do a very good job with that show. And uh, that's going to do it. Thank you so much, and uh, enjoy the game against the Pacers Friday night. And uh, have a good one. Cheers. All right, let's, uh, let's start with... So CJ Miles, you know, this is what Pacer fans are more worried about because he's a former Pacer. Missed the first Pacer game because he had had the birth of his daughter. Uh, Pacers won a close game, obviously, by three. What's kind of your thoughts on the impact CJ Miles could have? Because we saw some weird bench units. I know I was at the game. It was a weird bench with the Raptors where they played guys I think I didn't think were even in the league anymore. (laughs) Like who? I mean, all their guys are like children at this point. Uh but yeah, I'm no. Looking the, I'm looking at the roster. I'm blanking on the name, but I, I, so I went to the game with Tony. We were watching the game together, and he started right. like yelling at a certain player out there. And I'm like, I didn't know the guy was in the league still. So <laughs> let me look it up real quick. Uh, well, yeah, Lorenzo Brown. I got into that game for like two minutes. He's been, he's kind of the weird dude who gets in the game sometimes right now because uh, Delon Wright's out, so he's the third point guard. But um, yeah, the, the Raptors' weird bench units have been kind of a thing for them all season. They used to really stagger and have one of Kyle or DeMar on the court at all times, but not so much this season, and I'm not sure exactly why that is. I think it might be, be just sort of a way to limit Kyle's minutes. He's down to like a season, a career low in minutes, at least for the last five or six years, at least with the Raptors. Um, so uh, that's been kind of – that's bred a lot of strange units with the bench. And, yeah, C.J. Miles, he's kind of adopted the title of like bench dad. Um, you know, he's playing out there with like Pascal Siakam and Norm Powell and Jakob Perto, like all these young dudes and Fred Van Vliet now – that DeLon writes so, and it's uh, it's been, you know, it, it, it's got mixed re- mixed results. I mean, there there are times where they kind of run all over teams and play really good defense, and it works out well. And then Miles is out there, kind of providing the spacing you need. Uh, and him and Powell, I think last night was the first time they've played together in the second unit because Powell was out. Um, and obviously, then Miles missed those two games over the weekend. Uh, and they look really good together as a bench pairing, uh, which I think we'll see tomorrow probably more often. And, and that Powell can kind of be the sort of catalyst a little bit, and then Miles can kind of provide the spacing to either you know give him a little extra room for his drives or to kind of just be there as a guy to, to catch kickout passes. So, uh, yeah, Miles is big for the bench. Without him, they're kind of lacking a lot of shooting. Um, and, you know, obviously that becomes troublesome, but uh, I'm excited to get him back tomorrow, work, having him have him working with Powell uh, as sort of the go-to guys off the bench. And, uh, yeah, it should be good. Yeah, I think the guy was Lorenzo Brown. I saw yeah, he yeah. him. Names. I'm surprised <laughs> that he even played. Uh, um, so I was too, to be honest. Uh, he he scored. He he had gone the longest any Raptor had ever gone uh, in terms of minutes played without scoring a basket for the Raptors. Uh, he scored against the Hawks when they beat him by like 100 points on Saturday. But uh, yeah, two minutes and no points was pretty much the standard of Lorenzo Brown line from that Pacers game and every other game he played up to that point. So, uh, like we were saying earlier, so they, the Pacers played the Raptors like just a week ago. So, you know, you were on our podcast with Tony last time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can kind of recap that game. 
I know probably the highlight of that game, at least for Pacer fans, and probably the worst moment was the Lance Stephen fourth quarter, right? He just, you know, it's the Raptors was they was like let Lance shoot, right? If I'm in any team that made it's let Lance shoot his threes, and Lance made like five of them, and that's why the Raptors lost, basically. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, that was uh, that's the second time that's happened in the last year or so where Lance has gone off and beaten the Raptors. And it's weird because, like, I know Pacers fans love Lance Stevenson, but, like, he's kind of objectively bad at this point. Uh, and his three-point shot in particular, that's like – you want him taking four threes. You want him feeling himself. And I was totally fine with the Raptors letting him shoot. And then, yeah, I just kind of burned them. Um, and I'm curious to see what's going to happen tonight because that's two games in a row now, too, where there's kind of been a bit of back and forth between Lance and DeMar DeRozan. Um, P.J. Tucker was involved in the scrimmage last year, but Tucker's gone now, of course. But I'm curious to see if there's going to be any sort of fireworks on Friday night between Lance and DeMar because th- there seems to be a bit of tension growing there. Um, but, yeah, that was uh, – that was probably the most frustrating thing. I mean, the first quarter was also, uh, you know, the first quarter and, and the start of the third quarter as well were just kind of frustrating. And, you know, the, there's lots of issues the Raptors have had with uh, bad starts from their starting unit. And Jonas Valanciunas got benched in that game. And I think for good reason, because Miles Turner was giving him all kinds of trouble. Um, and it's just not a matchup that he's really suited for at this point. And, uh, you know, Collison and, and Old Depot were kind of running him into the ground in the pick and roll as well. Um, so yeah, outside of Lance, I would say that's probably it. Like Jonas just not being effective whatsoever. I think he only ended up playing 12 minutes or so in his 14 minutes. Uh, and he was a minus 20 in those minutes. So that kind of speaks to how bad he was. Yeah. Uh, well, since that game that Lance has kind of turned it around. So I, I agree at that point in that game, Lance is probably like one of the most inefficient, worst three point shooting players in the league. He was shooting 17% from three, <laughs> but since then he's kind of turned around. He's put up 18, 16, 18, 11. So Maybe uh, Raptors get from the corner because like, you were hitting on uh, DeRozan and Lance have some beef. You know, it started last year when Lance had that dunk at the end of the game. It kind of was, should have done whatever, ramped the score a little bit. And then he he charged DeRozan pretty hard in the game. And I, I don't know if, you know, in person it looked probably worse than people said it was on TV. He actually hit the ball, but it looked like he went right at DeRozan's knee. Yeah, the uh, the came out in the last two-minute report that he should have been called for two fouls on DeMar late in the game. Um, I don't know the second one, but the first one, yeah, it just was kind of like a straight-up body check. Uh, so that kind of – you know, the Raptors probably didn't deserve to win that game anyway, so I'm not going to be like, oh, they got robbed because of the free throws. or whatever. Like, no, they played like crap, so they probably deserved to lose. But um, that that was that kind of changed the complexion of things late as the Raptors were mounting that comeback. Um, so, yeah, it's just uh, – I'm fascinated to see how it's going to work tonight. I don't know why it is that Lance blow, like lights up the Raptors every time they play. There are certain guys that inexplicably do this to Toronto. You know, there's, uh, you know, Gerald Henderson for some reason when he was in the league just would like be Kobe against the Raptors. Uh, they just have this curse of dudes who aren't particularly all that good. And then they come to Toronto or play the Raptors and just completely light them up. So uh, I hope that it ends on Friday night with the Lance thing, but uh, I'm not counting on that. Uh, you think it's going to be a, like a DeRozan, maybe not revenge game, but DeRozan played like crap. Uh, yeah. Last time they played, so you think this is, DeRozan has a big night tonight? I mean, Lowry played decent, but DeRozan played like crap. 
Yeah, Lowry was really good. Uh, that was probably his best game of the season at that point, uh, which was kind of a shame that it got wasted in a loss. But, uh, I mean, and then last night against the Hornets, he topped that by going 36-5-6 with 8 of 11 from 3. Um, so he's really rounding into form. DeRozan, yeah, he had just won player of the week before uh, the week that the Pacers game took place, and then he was awful against the, the Knicks in the second half when they you know gave that 41-10 quarter uh, on the Wednesday. And then, yeah, against the Pacers, he – just kind of lost he wasn't getting to the line which is always like a big sort of source of his points um and he just didn't really seem like he was part of the offense and same thing happened on saturday he hit just two points on saturday um he had eight assists so that was a little better but yeah he's um he's kind of figuring it out though against the hornets last night he like 37 and four something like that so he's kind of coming around but yeah i i don't know what it is i'm not sure there was anyone who was like in particular you know, I don't think anyone's particularly like just shutting him down. Like Oladipo is a tough defender, but I'm not sure DeRozan's really all that bothered by a guy like Oladipo. He's been really good against most really good defenders over the over the past couple of years. Like he kind of torches guys like Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder and all these guys who were supposed to st- stop a guy like DeRozan. He kind of beats up anyway. So either credit to Oladipo for really shutting him down, or just you know credit it to just being a bad night for Demar. But I don't expect he'll play that poorly again. Um, he's uh, he's been too good this season for him to have that many dud, dud, dud performances. I think. Yeah, I kind of looks like it's just kind of a Thanksgiving week struggle because he's been so he's he's on my face basketball team, so he's been pretty good this year for me. <laughs> um, but that Thanksgiving week, so that like, Wednesday, he only put up eighteen, which is like one of the season lows for him. And then he had a really bad weekend of Thanksgiving, so I wonder if something happened over you know Thanksgiving that kind of threw off. Because then he had a great game. Uh, recorded on a Thursday. Last last thing I saw, he had thirty again. So he just yeah. Just like it was a bad night for him. I'm, I, I know, I'm sure his Pacer fans hope he doesn't have an, a good night, but I have a feeling it's he's gonna have a pretty good night because he's gonna be pissed because I, I, he walked off the court of that Pacer game without shaking any player's hand. So Peter yeah. said Joseph and Joseph hugged Lowry and hugged a couple other players. And Rosen, the minute the, the buzzer ring was in the locker room, it looked like. Yeah, if you get angry tomorrow, that's probably not the best for your prospects because. Uh... He'll kind of go at you, and you know sometimes he'll hijack the Raptors' offense in the interest of going at somebody he wants to go after. But um, you know he's pretty good at it too. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how that'll play out. Um, I want to ask you about Miles Turner. He's been, uh, I think, a little disappointing. I mean, obviously he's been hurt, so that's hard to sort of you know figure out exactly how much that's played in. But I feel like this was I was supposed I was kind of expecting him to kind of take like a Chris Stapps kind of step this season where he was going to be, you know, without Paul George there, he was going to be like the dude. Um, and obviously he's just played 15 games so far and it's hard to say, but uh, you know, is his progress where you would have expected coming into the season? Cause it feels like, you know, it's hard to say because he just completely obliterated Jonas in that game. And just, and he didn't even put up crazy numbers. Just his presence out there is really tough for Jonas to deal with. Um, but overall, like, I'm not sure he's probably, he's putting in the season that I would have expected from him. Yeah, I, you know, the injury kind of set him back a little bit. Just, you know, Sabonis got more minutes with some of the starters. You know, you got to remember the entire roster was turned over basically in the offseason. I mean, they brought back like basically Turner and Young were the only guys they brought back last year. So it, he had to adjust to that. And as a center, you rely a lot on the other players around you. But I like, you know, after the, you know, he's had a pretty nice week the past week. He had double points in every game over the last three games, except for that Raptors game. But I like the matchup against Jonas because I think he just, it's a, you know, he can stretch the floor with Jonas out there and he's just as good as a rim protector and can kind of just throw Jonas off his game because Jonas likes to play in the post. And Turner's not a terrible post defender. So I think overall it's been kind of a disappointing year so far, but I wouldn't say that it's not, it's been like terribly disappointing. I think he just hasn't made a huge leap. 
you know, he's made, I think he's gotten better, just not like, you know, the Kristop leap. But the Kristop is like maybe one of the, the top offensive players in the league now. People think, I don't think Turner's quite that. But he's, you know, he's probably 15 and 10 right now a game or close to it. Yeah, uh, I love Miles Turner. And I still have sort of memories from that playoff series when he was a rookie and just sort of being one of their better players in that series and it's still terrifying to me. So maybe uh, that's kind of coloring how I think he should be developing, but maybe, you know, he's a, he's a young player. He's only 21 takes time for these things and he's already pretty good as it is. Um, I'm, I'm really, I'm not sure what's going to happen with the starting five for the Raptors because obviously Dwayne Casey was pissed off after that first half uh, against the Pacers last week and, and started Siakam in the second and second half. And that lineup didn't do very well either. That was a 31 10, uh, 31-20 quarter, I guess, for the for the Pacers and the Raptors played pretty poorly. Um, but you know, I still think that the, the Siakam Abaka front court has been a lot better defensively than the Jonas Abaka front court has been. So I'm curious to see if we're going to get more of a sample of that. Uh, maybe you know, Casey, instead of just kind of seeing how it goes and starting Jonas again, will just kind of be proactive. He's not known to be super proactive with his lineup changes and things like that, especially in the regular season, but. Um, you know, considering what happened in the second half of that game last week, I, I would be fascinated to see. Like, I still, I still think Jonas will start, but I think we'll probably see a pretty short leash from him if Turner or anyone else starts to go off. Yeah, actually, the fact that they even made the switch—it's the first time I can remember in a while for a Pacers team where the actually the other team made the switch. <laughs> like a lot, the Pacers for the past few years—they've just been kind of almost feel like stuck in their ways, which maybe now Raptors fans are feeling that because you've kind of brought back the same team for three or four years now, and so. You know, you you know, peak. You know, at one point, Valanciunas was like, "Oh, he's going to be kind of a really good player," and then he kind of got, you know, with the way the league changed, he's sort of fallen out again. So I, I just thought it was interesting that fact that they made that change so early because it just seems like the Pacers are always when reacting to teams, especially the Raptors are probably a better team than the Pacers overall. You know, they are thirteen and seven. They they've been to the playoffs now. I think it's what five going on five straight years. Right, right now, but yeah, there'll be this will be five. This will be five. I mean, they're one of the top three or four teams in the Eastern Conference. The Pacers definitely aren't quite there yet. So I, I just like it's that that the the team has to change the Pacers now. I kind of like that because the Pacers play such a like a different style than a lot of teams because they've got Turner. It's kind of dynamic and forces other centers to switch around. Even Sabonis at the same thing. So this is interesting. Yeah. I think it's kind of poetic that the like Jonas is maybe the worst game that I've seen him play, and the, the one that got him benched. Uh, came against the Pacers, and you know that was a team where his breakout really happened a couple years ago in the playoffs. He was such a he was just enormous in that series. Uh, Nineteen rebounds in the first game. He had like twenty three and fifteen in game two. Um, he was outstanding, and then he was really good to start the second round as well. Then got hurt against the Heat, uh, and everything kind of went downhill from there. But I think it was kind of poetic that against the Pacers, uh, a team that just two years ago he dominated, he just he couldn't hang, and it kind of just speaks to I think you know as you mentioned how sort of just his game has fallen out of being, you know, kind of suited to, to the modern NBA. It's, uh, you know, we talked about this on the podcast this week, and it's it's kind of, it's, you know, I don't know I don't know if you feel bad for the guy or whatever, because, like, he, he's well-paid and he's still an NBA player who's starting and whatever, but it is kind of a shame to see a guy just have the league kind of pass him by. Um, and I guess it's got to be exciting for Pacers fans to have Miles Turner, who is very much the opposite of what Jonas is and seems perfectly suited to. Uh, the modern NBA center. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. 
Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, you won't get much sympathy from Pacer fans because the Sydney happened to Roy Hibbert. You know, there was one point in like the 13, 12, 2012 and 13 range where people thought the Roy Hibbert, Paul George was going to be like, they were going to win championships forever because they were going to be like Roy could protect the rim and he could score 30 a game, whatever. And he got, he fell out of league. So you're not getting much sympathy about that. I do remember that, that playoff Raptors series. Raptors draft pick Roy Hibbert to you. <laughs> well, I do remember though in that, uh, in that playoff series, Valanciunas killed Jan Mahimi. Both those guys now are probably weirdly like don't yeah, fit this yeah. game anymore. That was a that was a weird. It was just a weird that playoff series. I don't want to rehash it. Tell me, that was just a weird series because it was the Paul George kind of just taking over, and then it was the Raptors had like the, probably the third, the second, third, fourth, and fifth best player in that series. So it was it's an odd odd year. Yeah, the, and the fact that uh, Frank Vogel decided to play the the 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15th best players of the, the, in that series to start the fourth quarter of game five. Don't get me started. Uh, that, was <laughs> that was rough. That was a rough. That game was um, the most frustrating I've ever watched. What's that? That was the most frustrating thing I've ever watched, that game five. Oh, that's the most exhilarating thing I've ever watched. It was unbelievable. Um, the closest I've ever come to like cheering in the press box, I think, was when Norm Powell threw that dunk down. It was... Uh, Pretty nuts, and like kind of changed a lot of things for the Raptors franchise, I think. Because if they lose that series, I don't think Dwayne Casey's back. I think DeMar DeRozan's probably gone. I think they probably trade Kyle Lowry. So, um, yeah, that now, game. Now you're stuck with all three for four, three or four more years, probably at least. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Uh, I, I like, you know, I've had this conversation a million times on the show too. Like, oh, is this is it enough to be good and not amazing? Yeah, it's enough for me. Uh, I'm very okay with very good basketball to watch each year, and uh, whenever it ends, it ends. But uh, you know, the Raptors, I think this season have kind of you know, livened things up a little bit with having so many young guys having big roles this season. And you have, you know, OG Ananobi will have a great game here and there, and you know, Pascal Siakam has been awesome off the bench, and Fred VanVleet even now is playing really good backup point guard with the lawn right out. So it's kind of adding some intrigue to the season that maybe wasn't there last season when it was all veterans on the team. So. Um, I'm cool with it. This is a fun team and a fun window, and I'm excited for uh, this game on Friday and for how it's all going to play out. Is this like a potential playoff matchup, do you think, again uh, this season? I think it just depends on the seeding, right? Uh, yeah. Probably you're going to say Celtics and Cavs are 1-2, just the way, the way Cavs are playing right now. They're they're on a, they're probably the 1-2 and two seed. So it depends what the Raptors, the Pacers fall. I think the Pacers are probably anywhere from 6 to 8, and the Raptors are probably anywhere from, from 3 to 5, right? Is that fair to say? Sorry, you cut it out there. Uh, did you said three to five? The Raptors are probably somewhere between the three to five seed and the Pacers are probably somewhere from the six to eight yeah, seed, right? Yeah. So maybe a three-six matchup. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm kind of thinking. Although, I, I don't know. I'm still Pacers and how real all of this is and how, like, they're just going to – are they just going to keep shooting threes at this ridiculous rate all season long? Like, I don't know. I, uh, I hope so because they're really fun to watch. They're far more fun than I thought they were going to be. Um, coming into the season, uh, and I root for Corey Joseph, and you know, and I like Oladipo, and I like that they're having a good season. But uh, it, I'm I'm very apprehensive as to whether or not this is sustainable, at least offensively. Um, do you have the same sort of? Uh, are you similarly concerned about it being something that might fall off? Yeah, I'm optimistic for two reasons. One, Turner hasn't played his best yet, so I think if let's say Oladipo falls back to somewhat reality since he's been playing at like a like another world 
Turner maybe can make up the slack. And then, too, is they've had such a, a kind of tough schedule to start the season. They played a lot of good teams, put a ton of back-to-backs, which seems odd on all the back-to-backs they continue to shoot so well from three. Like that, that, that doesn't seem to work, make sense statistically, but it, they just seem to do well. So I'm hoping that as the schedule lightens up, they play some of the, the bottom of the East teams more, that they'll be able to rack those wins up. And like that's why I think they're more like a seven or eight seed. Like I think right now they're fifth or sixth in the East, which they're not going to – that's not sustainable. But I think – I think a reason to say they win 41 games and get the eight seed is not unrealistic, at least. Yeah, fair enough. And I, I hope they're in because they, they're, they again, like I said, just a lot more fun than I thought they were going to be. And their jerseys are really good. I, I'm digging the new jerseys. They're, uh, they're, I think they're a big step up. So I'm, I'm cool watching those on the court. Um, do you have any parting shots or anything like that? Or you want to wrap this thing up? I got so one question for you on the, on the Raptors. Yeah. Um, so we were, you were hit it earlier for a second. You're right. The Raptors are probably that team where if you think about it, I know the Celtics have been pretty good this year, but they don't have any playoff experience really. Uh, Celtics are, are the Raptors are that team where if LeBron leaves the East, they actually legitimate shot to maybe win the Eastern Conference, right? If LeBron goes to LA next year, that's kind of why you, they probably ran it back this year. Oh, I think that was absolutely part of their calculus in that uh, looking at it and saying, hey, like if LeBron leaves, or even if he just like declines in year 16 because – you know, humans should decline by that Ross time in their human. careers. Uh, not going to happen. But, yeah, if he does leave, I think that's, you know, I feel like the Raptors would have really sort of regretted it if they'd blown it up this offseason and then LeBron leaves and they're just sitting there like, wow, like we could have been in that position. And, you know, I think it would have been a real sort of lost opportunity. Um, that's why I'm okay with them just like staying good because you never know when something weird is going to happen when a guy leaves or an injury happens and like just being in the position to, you know, capitalize on some weirdness, I think is kind of a good thing. I'm not picking the Raptors to make the finals or anything. I do think I like their chances of making it back to a conference finals, depending on how the seating works out, of course. Um, but if they can avoid a, a matchup with say Boston or something like that, or, or avoid a matchup with Cleveland, I think Boston uh, it's a reasonable, you know, it's probably like a pick'em series to me at this point. I think Boston's kind of overachieving a little bit. The Raptors have the best Eastern Conference point differential right now, um, and I think they're playing, you know, at a pretty high level. And I think by the end of the season, with all these young guys as they continue to grow, I think they'll even be at a higher level. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty confident in what the Raptors can do. I'm pretty bullish on their potential and their upside this season. Whether that is, you know, a finals thing, I'm, I'm not going to call that because the, the Cavs are you know, doing Cavs things now and winning all the games, but, um, and LeBron is LeBron, but yeah, I think that's exactly why they, they wanted to stay good was to be able to be in the position to capitalize if something weird happens or if LeBron leaves or something like that. You, you stole my differential set. That's what I was going to bring up in the podcast. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> Raptors are, they're not, you know, they have a better point difference than the Celtics. Uh, you know, they're, 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 they're Raptors are a really good team, you know, Right now they're fourth in the East, but I I think they're definitely going to be the two or three seed. So yeah, I I just feel like the Celtics will have a correction at some point. They have so many young guys playing at like on a like a higher level than you expect, like Tatum and Brown. Who I don't know how sustainable it is all season long. And the Raptors, you know, you're going to get. You know, they're probably going to be close to 50 wins. They've been that way for three or four years. They should be. They're they're going to be one of the top yeah, three, the the top Raptors, three seeds. Yeah, the thing with the Raptors too is they've had one of the toughest schedules in the league. To start the year, um, they had a crazy six-game Western trip where they played like the Spurs and the Warriors and the Nuggets and the Jazz and the Blazers. Like it was a nuts trip. They went three and three. 
Um, and I think so far they've had the fourth hardest schedule in the NBA. And, but, you know, for the rest of the season, they have the, the least amount of travel and I believe the, the easiest schedule by a winning percentage of opponents uh, for the rest of the year. And, and December is just a cakewalk for them. The Pacers are probably the toughest opponent they have for like three weeks. Um, they go on a Western road trip where they, they, I mean, they play the Suns at home and they go on a Western trip where they play the Grizzlies, the Kings, the Clippers, and the Suns, and then the Nets, and then the Kings again, and then the Hornets. Like, it's not a tough slate of games here. Um, so I think they can probably kind of rack some wins up here and maybe get closer up to that one seed. Um, I think they want the one seed. I, I, I kind of think they're looking at the East maybe right now and saying, like, hey, if we get the one seed, like, who knows what can happen? We can avoid uh, having to play both of Boston and Cleveland, hopefully, uh, and maybe just get one of them in a conference finals. I think there's a real sort of incentive to go for it. So they rattle off, like, I don't know, 12 or 13 wins in a month because the, the schedule is really easy and they're kind of founding themselves right now. Yeah, and that, that uh, Phoenix-LA trip now, all of a sudden for most teams now become just easy. I mean, there's three of the worst teams to lead the Clippers, yeah. Lakers, and Suns combined. Um, you got any parting shots? Yeah. I think I think I've hit mine. No, no, I think uh, I'm excited to see Corey Joseph. I hope he gets some buckets because he didn't get any against the Raptors uh, last week, and uh, he's a, he's a local hero here. Um, I hope he plays well. I wish he was starting for for the Pacers, to be honest, because I just I'd like him better than Darren Collison. I know Collison's more dynamic or whatever, but uh, Corey Joseph's a lovely dude. And uh, he should be treated as such. And uh, I'm excited to watch him play tomorrow. Yeah, Cordes might it might be the best Pacer acquisition when it comes to like phrasing. You know, they signed Collison by Donovich, but Joseph has been awesome off the bench. Uh, so this this has been today's version. It's been a locked on Raptors and locked on Pacers crossover podcast. Uh, thanks for joining me, Sean. Yeah, absolutely, man. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.